2: Yes, indeed, it is, and up number two is underway. It's nine minutes past 10 o'clock. Thanks for being with us on this Wednesday, the 21st morning of the fourth month of the year of our Lord, 2021. Derek Chauvin is guilty. That much is not a surprise. Derek Chauvin did not get a fair trial that much may be a surprise it depends on whether or not you've been paying attention or not Candace Owens has been paying attention
3: that's correct and what we're really seeing is mob justice and and that's really what happened with this entire trial this was not a trial about George Floyd or Derek Chauvin this was a trial about whether the media uh, was powerful enough to create a simulation and decide upon a narrative absent any facts whether it was powerful enough to repeat showing and talking about a nine-minute clip that came from somebody's cell phone without adding any context without showing the full you know the the full police video which they could have released they refused to release the full body cam which would have added more clarity um, to the fact that the media was lying you know the media came out let's not forget this Tucker the media came out and told us that this was a man who was just getting his life together he was a good you know good member of society and he got mixed up because a racist white police officer had it out for him and, and killed him all of that fell apart all of the facts came out and all of that fell apart we now know of course that he had enough fentanyl in him it was three times the lethal dosage, three times lethal dosage in him when he died, but nobody cares, because the media was successful in putting out a narrative and they kept hitting that narrative, and the reason why the Democrats are happy is because they realize of course, the media supports them, and now means the Democrats can get whatever they want, because they can create a narrative, and then they can treat people like pawns, and get them to basically say, if we don't get what we want, we will riot, we will loot, we will send these people out like soldiers to destroy your neighborhoods, and that is exactly what has happened, that has been the determination of this trial. The media and the Democrats now have enough power to bully, to bully and to lie to and to create propaganda and to successfully win. And that is what happened and they are celebrating that win today. This was not a fair trial. Only one side. No person can say this was a fair trial.
2: No person can say this was a fair trial. And she's right. When she talks about the media and the Democrat Party, and as Peter Kirsten I would say, but I repeat myself, they have now created something called trial by riot. There used to be trial by jury. That's the way our criminal justice system was built. It's the way our founding fathers designed it and how it's been honed over the course of the last two and a half centuries. We had trial by a jury of our peers replaced now by trial by riot. Threaten, and as a matter of fact, before the trial begins or while it's going on and testimony is being heard, Start writing, set a few fires, smash a few windows, uh, come up with a few slogans and chants just to let the jury know, you better be doing this right. You better, be, you better come back with what we want. And by the way, intimidate some witnesses, splash some pig's blood and throw a pig's head onto their porch. Uh, in, intimidate some witnesses so that they don't testify in a manner that displeases you and also sends a message to the jury saying, uh, this is what's coming to you. It's coming to your front porch. This is what we do to witnesses. What do you think we do to jurors that we don't like based on your uh, uh, deliberation and your verdict? There is no possible way to say that this was a fair trial. And again, I don't have any sympathy for Derek Chauvin. I have sympathy for the U.S. justice system. My sympathy is for the U.S. justice system. They're doxing people. They're doxing people who had the 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 gall uh, to to give ten bucks to the uh, legal defense fund for that kid in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Um, Rittenhouse, Kyle Rittenhouse, they give he gave ten bucks and somebody hacked into like the GoFundMe or whatever the uh, the you know the uh, fundraising site was. They hacked into it and found the names of people who donated to various funds, and they found somebody who donated ten bucks to to Kyle Rittenhouse. And they went to his home. Not they being thugs or BLM or, or, or Antifa. In this case, we're talking about thugs that are the news media. ABC News local went to the home of this individual who donated 10 bucks to harass them and to try to get them on tape. To dox them and make them famous for why did you donate money to Kyle Rittenhouse? Don't you know he's a stone-cold racist murderer? Trial by riot is the new normal. And this is what I'm concerned about. Much, much less about Derek Chauvin, although I do not believe he killed this man. Based on the evidence and the information from the medical examiner that we have, I do not believe he killed this man. I believe he's criminal, criminally neglect in not treating him medically. I believe he's criminally stupid for posing, uh, uh, in front of these cameras and others while he was on his, uh, you know, his knee was on his, it was more on his back than his neck, by the way, when you look at it from the other angles. But, um, you know, I, I, I have less concern and sympathy for, jo- for Derek uh, Chauvin than I do for what is going to happen to this country going forward between policing and between trials, which are now. Trials not by jury of peers, but trial by riot. Here's just a little bit more of Candace Owens.
3: Because we have two pandemics going on right now. There's a pandemic of ignorance in this country and that is only allowed to fly because we also have a pandemic of cowardice in this country. Okay? So we have people that are, are purposefully putting out a bunch of ignorant uh, ignorant claims and then we have people that are too cowardly to stand up and say, you know what, this is wrong. Th- th- there has been so much that has been going on in this country that is wrong. You talk about it, I talk about it, but we do not have people that are sitting in Congress that are willing to take this fight where it needs to be taken. By the way, you bring up Maxine Waters and. I'm so old, Tucker, that I remember when a man said, march peacefully and patriotically to the Capitol, and that was considered an insight to violence, right? That was like, oh my God, stop the press, get this person disappeared from social media because he is calling for violence. Look at what Maxine Waters says. No one, no one in the media is condemning these, is condemning these remarks. That same media that condemned, condemned Trump and his supporters for weeks on end is now defending Maxine Waters. And we both know this is not the first time that Maxine Waters has incited violence. Don't forget, rush down. If you see a Trump supporter, you've got to rush him down in the restaurants. They're allowed to do this. They play by a different set of rules, but it's because we allow them to play with that different set of rules. They get away with virtually everything because we don't have strong people on our side that are willing to stand up you know, and and, and that it's a sad conclusion. It really is so frustrating. And the idea of martyring George Floyd, the way Nancy Pelosi spoke about him, it completely forgives all of the trauma that he brought against his victims while he was alive. You know, a man that served seven plus stints in prison while he was alive, armed robbery being two of the reasons why, and now we're going to martyr him and say that your name will forever be synonymous with justice? Imagine, Tucker, if you are one of his victims that is alive, one of his victims that he armed robbed, and you have to hear that this man's name will always be synonymous with justice. How would that feel to you? I feel like we are living in fiction right now in America. We are losing this country and we are living in fiction because people are not strong enough to call out this stuff. And I feel like I'm one of the only ones who has the courage to say, I will not be mobbed into a different reality.
2: That is straight fire right there from Candace Owens. I didn't even want to attempt to uh, break in. Sometimes I'll break in and opine on various comments when I give you audio clips. Uh, I did not want to break into that because she was straight fire, and I am with her. When she says I f- she feels like she's one of the only ones who has the courage to say I will be not mobbed into a different mentality or reality, rather, same here. I don't care. I'm not, I'm not going to play this, I fear the riot mob, I fear the woke mob, I fear the doxing mob, I fear the uh, you know, cancellation culture. I don't. I'm not going to go along with this either. Last night, and what she just said, by the way, about uh, Nancy Pelosi is spot on. Nancy Pelosi said yesterday in her reaction to the trial that George Floyd gave, uh, sacrificed his life for justice. As if he somehow chose to ingest just extraordinary amounts of narcotics that can kill you, chose to try to break the law and pass a, a forge or a, a counterfeit $20 bill, uh, chose to engage in a 25 minute uh, crying festival and, oh my God, I can't breathe. This is long before he was on the ground, by the way, uh, with, uh, with police. Chose to do all of those things in an attempt to bring justice to America. She literally said his name will forever go down uh, as, as the picture of justice or will, will ever be remembered in synonymous with justice, as if he sacrificed. I joked on Facebook last night that MSNBC and CNN were, were debating each other right now as to where to put the first statue of St. George the Floyd. Which stained glass window is going to be built first for which church? For this saint, George Floyd, who sacrificed himself uh, on the altar of, of social justice and equity and responsibility and accountability. This career criminal is being treated like, a, like an actual martyr like he's actually somebody who laid down his life willingly and intentionally for something he believed in. Because that's what a martyr is. Somebody who refuses to renounce or denounce a very cherished belief. For example, a belief in the risen Christ. When they know, you know they're going to torture and execute you for continuing to state your beliefs, and you were willing to die that death. That is a martyr. They're trying to martyr a career criminal who did over eight years in prison for armed robbery for crying out loud and holding a, a gun to a pregnant woman's belly while the house is ransacked as part of a home invasion. This was a guy who, I don't think he ever lived a day, an honest day in his life. And he's being fitted for a halo after his death. I mean this this is insane and this has to stop it absolutely has to stop meanwhile democrats continue to try to defund the police we're we're, we're fitting we're fitting criminals with halos and angels wings and we are now trying to continue to demonize cops. It's a
3: hypocrisy where they feel that the public doesn't necessarily need to police to police to keep them safe, but they feel it's okay for them to vote to defund the police or push to abolish the police and then have, you know, private security or the capital police or police detail that is traveling with them everywhere they go.
2: That's New York Congresswoman uh, Nicole uh, Malliotakis calling out the Democrats for for literally trying to take money away from police departments. And I'm going to say this again. Leo Terrell said it, by the way, very well on Fox. But I want to say it again as well. This is the big lie for the Democrats. What do I mean by that? The Democrats called President Trump and those who believe that the election was stolen from him in November, that that's the big lie. The big lie is that the election wasn't fair, that it was stolen, that it was tainted, blah, 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 blah. Now, I don't want to get into that. But this is the big lie of the Democrat Party. The big lie is that there is systemic racism in the policing of the United States and in the United States as a structure, as a whole. But... More importantly, the big lie is that black people have a harder life when it comes to police than white people do. That black people are targeted in this country more often than white people. That black people are shot more often by cops than white people. That unarmed black people in particular are shot more often than unarmed white people are are shot by cops. It's the big lie. Heather McDonald referred to it. Heather McDonald knows these statistics inside and out. She has done many, many interviews on them, written books on them, did Prager University videos about these stats. And uh, as I say, it was uh, this morning on Fox and Friends, Leo Terrell talked about the big lie as well. And there is no other way to describe it. They want you to believe that the reason why all of these riots are okay, why all of this righteous anger is allowed to continue, it's because black people are being hunted down uh, by police officers. It is There is nothing that can be further from the truth. And I will share the rest of that information with you right after this. 216-901-0945, 888 1110 Join us on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay,
1: it's 1027. The big lie. Joe Biden said most white men and women who wear the badge serve their communities honorably. So if most serve their communities honorably, how is the system also systemically racist? That's the big
2: lie. Why? You know what? The next time, can someone just ask... Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, name the city, name the state, name the governor, name the mayor where systemic racism exists. It's the Democratic playbook. It's the Democratic Kool-Aid. And let me mention this. This is not 1950, 1960. You look at these Democratic cities. There's black mayors, black police chiefs. The police departments are filled with minorities. That's the big lie. Why? Because if blacks leave the Democratic Party, there is no Democratic Party. Again, see how we're losing the focus? It's about a murder case. But the Democrats want you to play the race card 24-7. And that's the focus of the Democrats. Not about police reform. Play the race card. That's the uh, part about this, as I said in hour number one, that people need to focus on, the, but but that are not focusing on. And that is the fact that they are calling this justice, racial justice, the conviction of Derek Chauvin. But yet there was not a single shred of evidence introduced in this trial indicate were indicated racism that George Floyd was treated differently because he's black than he would have uh, been treated if he was white. That's the only way you can claim that this is a strikes a blow uh, you know against systemic racism is proof that this was racism. there is no evidence whatsoever that race played a role here any more than there was in the 2014 uh, police involved death of Tony Timpa in Dallas, Texas, a white man who was behaving erratically, who was hopped up on a bunch of drugs, who had a police called on him, and the police called and controlled him with the same technique, a knee on the back and the upper back of Tony Tempa for 14 minutes to the point where he died. No cities burned. No members of Congress went to Dallas screaming, we need to fight for justice, we need to get get more confrontational. None of those things happened. It was just understood that Tony Timpa caused a police interaction with his own behavior, and the police interaction was less than stellar. But they didn't try to kill him. And there was again, there was nobody fighting, nobody chanting his name, nobody saying thank you for your sacrifice. George Floyd. This was a case, the George Floyd death at the, at the uh, uh, incident, and I'll call it not at the hands up but at the incident involving the Minneapolis police and Derek Chauvin, was tragic, it was unnecessary, it didn't have to happen, but it was not murder, and it certainly was not about race. 30 minutes to go after the news on fourteen twenty The Answer. Attention,
1: social justice warriors. If you're looking for a safe space where your delicate ears won't be offended, this isn't it. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer,
2: okay, ten thirty six. We continue on this Wednesday edition. While we we are on the subject of something that we shouldn't be, race. <clears throat> and again, I, I'll 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 apologize if somebody can point to me evidence that race was a motivating factor in the death of George Floyd. If anyone can point and show me evidence introduced in that trial that race was a factor, then I will apologize and say this was a racial incident. But since it isn't, and we are talking about it anyway because the left continues to play the race card now, forever, and always, I want to pivot to New York, and I want to share this with you. You probably already heard about the story a little bit, but maybe you didn't hear the follow-up, and in this case, literally hear the follow-up because... A very smart uh, teacher uh, chose to record a conversation. It starts with Sunday. There was an open letter that was published by uh, a teacher at Grace Church School, High School in Manhattan, New York. It's a fifty six thousand dollar a year school, or is it fifty eight? Sorry for the extra two grand. My bad. Paul Rossi has been a math teacher there at this school for uh, 10 years. He wrote an op-ed, which was a letter to his fellow teachers, essentially, last uh, Sunday. And it was headlined, I refuse to stand by while my students are indoctrinated. And he talks at length about his obligation and the obligation of all teachers. Quote, as a teacher, my first obligation is to my students, but right now my school is asking me to embrace anti-racism, training and pedagogy that I believe is deeply harmful to them and to any person who seeks to nurture the virtues of curiosity, empathy, and understanding. Anti-racist training sounds righteous, but it is the opposite of truth in advertising. It requires teachers like myself to treat students differently on the basis of their race. Furthermore, in order to maintain a united front to, uh, for our students, teachers at Grace are directed to confine our doubts about this pedagogical framework to uh, conversations with an in-house office of community engagement, for whom every significant objection leads to a foregone conclusion. Any doubting students are likewise challenged to reframe their views to conform to this orthodoxy. I know that by attaching my name to this, I'm risking not only my current job, but my career as an educator, since most schools, both public and private, are now captive to this backward ideology. But witnessing the harmful impact it has on children, I cannot stay silent. My school, like so many others, induces students via shame and sophistry to identify uh, primarily with their race before their individual identities are fully formed. Students are pressured to conform their opinions to those broadly associated with their race and their gender and to minimize or dismiss individual experiences that don't match those assumptions. The moral compromise status of oppressor is assigned to one group of students based on their immutable characteristics. In the meantime, dependency, resentment, and moral superiority are cultivated in students considered to be oppressed. All of this is done in the name of equity, but it is the opposite of fair. In reality, all of this reinforces the worst impulses we have as human beings, our tendency toward tribalism and sectarianism that a truly liberal education is meant to transcend. Recently, I raised my, and this is the core, this is the the, the most important part. Recently... I raised questions about this ideology at a mandatory whites-only student and faculty Zoom meeting. Such racially segregated sessions are now commonplace at my school. It was a bait-and-switch self-care seminar that labeled objectivity, individualism, fear of open conflict, and even a right to comfort as characteristics of white supremacy. I doubted that these human attributes, many of them virtues reframed as vices, should be racialized in this way. In the Zoom chat, I also questioned whether one must define oneself in terms of a racial identity at all. My goal was to model for my students that they should feel safe to question ideological assertions if they felt moved to do so. It seemed like my questions broke the ice. Several uh, students and even a few teachers offered a broad range of questions and observations. Many students said it was a more productive and substantive discussion than they expected. However, when my questions were shared outside this forum, violating the school norm of confidentiality, I was informed by the head of the high school that my philosophical challenges had caused harm to our students. Even that, uh, or excuse me, given that these topics were life and death matters about people's flesh and blood and bone, I was reprimanded for acting like an independent agent of a set of principles or ideas and beliefs. And I was told that by doing so, I failed to serve the greater good and the higher truth. My principal further informed me that I had created dissonance for vulnerable and unformed thinkers and neurological disturbances in students' beings and systems. The school's director of studies added that my remarks could even constitute harassment. Now, I'm going to stop there. To bring you to the current state of this situation. And by the way, I think you can probably take Grace um, Church High School in Manhattan and replace that name with probably any school in America where critical race theory is being taught. No instructors like this instructor, Paul Rossi, are permitted to question the the content, the curricula. They are not permitted to dare think for themselves or god forbid encourage students to think for themselves anti-racism training must go on critical race theory must go on whites must be demonized blacks must be felt and made to feel like victims that's what it that's that's literally all it is so the math instructor paul rossi has quote been relieved of his teaching duties after voicing criticism of the private school's purported racial indoctrination of its students. The well-being of our community is our first priority, and we take it seriously, said the, let me make sure I quote the right person here, head of school, George Davison. We take it seriously whenever students raise concerns about professionalism of a teacher. It's clear to me that Paul cannot be effective as a teacher at Grace anymore. I have informed him that he is relieved of his teaching duties. Now, Paul Rossi's response to that was the the important part here. His response is, and he wrote a letter to the head of school, Davison, saying this. Grace's public story, the story it is telling to the press and to its own community, has been very different from what you have told me. In light of your statement that my essay contains glaring omissions and inaccuracies and in support of those who will inevitably be scared into silence by seeing the price I'm now paying for speaking up, I am compelled to share what you have told me in our previous conversations. The response then goes on to accuse Davison, the head of school who fired Rossi, admitting that his school demonizes white people for being born. And makes white students feel less than for nothing more than nothing that they are personally responsible for. Now, bear with me, and I hope this isn't too convoluted. It shouldn't be. Talking about two sides here Grace School and its head of school, uh, Mr. Davison, and math teacher Paul Rossi, who opposes the critical race theory um, indoctrination. So, Davis reportedly said in response, Davison, excuse me, we disagree, and that will remain, but you misquoted me and attributed to me things that I never said or would never say in the press. Your actions were unprofessional, and I still defended your right to have a point of view. I will not, get, not in an email, get into a point-by-point rebuttal because I know you are not trustworthy given your past performance. And where did that lead? That led us to this. Paul Rossi being accused of taking... Uh, Mr. Davison's words out of context or misquoting him released the audio tape. This is the head of the school George Davison speaking with Paul Rossi the fired math teacher from March 2nd of this year. Listen to the admission.
4: Let me ask you something George because I think those are I think there's something very different about having a single experience where you make sense of it right and having a teacher an authority figure talk to you endlessly every year telling you that because you have whiteness you are associated with evils all these different evils these are moral evils it's not the same as taking like a physical thing because it doesn't affect your 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 moral value that's the problem the the, the- that, that that was Paul Rossi the math teacher
2: now here's the head of school. Grace Church head of School, George Davison.:
1: The fact is that I'm agreeing with you that there has been a demonization that we need to get our hands around in the way in which people
4: are doing this understanding. Okay, so you agree that we're demonizing kids.
1: We're demonizing um, kid, we're, we're demonizing white people for
4: being born. And, and are some of our students no, 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 white no. people? What? Are some of our students white people? Yes okay, so we're demonizing white we're demonizing white kids. Why don't you just say it we are,
1: I, we are using language that makes them feel less than um, for nothing that they are personally responsible for
2: <sighs> And there it is. And this is why it matters. You have instructors. Heads of school, maybe superintendents in a public school setting, headmasters in a private school setting, school presidents or principals. And in this case, George Davidson admitting, yes, we are demonizing white kids for being born. And yes, we are using language that makes white kids feel less than for nothing that they are personally responsible for. And yet, knowing this and admitting this, they continue to teach it. They continue to push it. They continue to promote it. My friends, we're sitting here watching this country being torn apart on racial lines. The Chauvin trial, just one example of it. But this is happening every day. In our kids' schools, every day, not just in rich, $58,000-a-year private schools, but in all of our schools where critical race theory is being taught, what George Davison just said is right. They're demonizing white kids. They're admitting it. They're using language that makes white kids feel less than for nothing that they're personally responsible for. In other words, nothing that's their fault. And that's what this guy is admitting when he thinks it's a private conversation, didn't know he was being recorded. Totally different than the public statements he makes, which says, Mr. Rossi can no longer continue teaching here. He can't be trusted. He is not a believer in blah, 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 blah. He's a believer and a supporter of white privilege and white supremacy. Because George Davidson knows the same thing probably that the CEO of Coca Cola knows. That the CEO of Delta Airlines knows, that the Commissioner of Major League Baseball knows, that if you don't go along with critical race theory and the new uh, uh, orthodoxy that whites are evil and blacks are perpetual victims, then you're going to lose your job. You're going to be canceled. It didn't end there.
1: You, you can you you can have, and, and I'm happy to keep debating. And I don't actually have any doubt because I've known you for nine years, of your sincerity in your belief. And I also um, have grave doubts about some of the doctrinaire stuff that gets spouted at us in the name of anti-racism. Like what? And and so I, I don't disagree entirely
4: with some of your points of view. Can you elaborate? because it would help me. It would help me understand like what's going on. I think that
1: one of the things that's going on a little too much, and and we've talked about this, is that um, the demonization of being white um, and and the attempt to link anybody who's white to the perpetuation of white supremacy. Thank you. Thank you, George. So there is no question that there is an entire strain in here that um, caused them misinterpretation. Now, I am so much... Wait, wait,
4: wait, wait, wait a minute, but what about impact over intent? Don't no, those I, kids I, I, get the benefit I, I, of impact over intent? So again, here
2: is the school head, the head of school at Grace Church High School in New York, admitting when he knows, when he doesn't know that he's being taped, that, yes, we perpetuate the belief. We perpetuate and we demonize white kids and attempt to link them, anybody who's white, to the perpetuation of white supremacy. And we wonder where, we're, where we went off the rails. We wonder why there's race riots in the streets. We wonder why there's African Americans feeling righteous indignation and anger that they can burn and loot and destroy things because of white supremacy when it doesn't even exist? And those who are perpetuating it as if it does exist admit when they, are, when they think that they're uh, not being recorded or out of earshot of a recording device, admit it. Of course this is all crap. What we're doing to white kids is extraordinarily unfair. And what we're doing to teach black kids that they're forever be victims and they need to fight and riot to get their way is also extraordinarily unfair and dangerous. But this is what they say in private or what they think is private. What they say in public is another thing altogether. Final time out right back. Yeah, that's not allowed, Larry Elder. That's not allowed in the world of uh, of the left. Black people are not allowed to see things differently than their overlords on the left say that they can see things. Uh, but this this has got to be this has got to be some of the most damning evidence yet that those on the woke left who continue to perpetuate the stereotype of evil whites who cannot help being racism. It's systemic. It's in their DNA. And that blacks are perpetual victims. They portray and they and they teach and they educate and they argue and they debate on behalf of that messaging. But when you get them in private moments, or what they think is the let me ask moment, you something,
4: George, because I think those are I think there's something very different about having a single experience where you make sense of it, right? And having a teacher, an authority figure, talk to you endlessly every year, telling you. That because you have whiteness, you are associated with evils. All these different evils. These are moral evils. It's not the same as taking like a physical thing because it doesn't affect your 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 moral value. That's the problem.
1: The 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 fact is that I'm agreeing with you that there has been a demonization that we need to get our hands around in the way in which people are doing this understanding. Okay, so you agree that you we're demonizing kids. We're demonizing um, kid. We're, we're demonizing white people.
2: Could could you repeat that, please?
1: Um, kid, we're we're demonizing white people for being born. And uh, and are some of our
4: now, students now, white now. people? What are some of our students white people? Yes. Okay. So we're demonizing white. We're demonizing white kids. Why don't you just say it? We are I, we
1: are using language that makes them feel less than. Um, for nothing that they are personally responsible for. See,
2: if I'm a tuition-paying, you know, $58,000-a-year parent paying this tuition, and I hear the head of school admit that we are demonizing white kids for being born, and we are treating them as being less than uh, for something they are not personally responsible for, I would be demanding his his resignation. I would be demanding his firing. I would be d- demanding an end to the indoctrination curricula that they are using in order to treat kids in such a way. This is something that again if we reverse the roles would be all over CNN MS MSNBC. But they love this stuff. They'll ignore they will ignore the admission by the head of school which, again, I believe speaks for the heads or principals or presidents or superintendents of thousands or millions of schools across this country, they, they want that education to continue. They want that indoctrination to continue because it advances their cause. It advances the cause in the media and of the Democrat Party, but I repeat myself, to borrow a phrase again, to, to have children who are black and white hating each other. It advances their goals. Carol is in Bedford. Carol, uh, got to get you in here before the top of the hour. Go right ahead.
0: Yeah, I want to go back to the George Floyd story. Please. You know, Bob, at the beginning of this, on one of the TV stations, it said that George Floyd and Eric Chauvin worked security at... Restaurant or bar together, and they wondered if there was some animosity that started
2: there. No, that the that was that story was misreported. They worked at the same place at different times. They didn't. Oh, they didn't know each times. other. Yeah, at different times. They uh, there was kind of a weird little symbiotic thing there. They both had been security at this place, but they did not work at the same time as one another, so they did not know one another.
0: Oh yeah, I hadn't heard the different times and
2: that. Yeah, okay, yeah. Thank, thank you. you, Carol, for the call. I appreciate it. Yeah, there's. Um, yeah there there's there's really no wrapping your brain around this at all I mean you know it's it's an admission and an ad, and, a, and an acknowledgement uh you know that that the intent is to divide the races and then they complain when that explodes into violence uh, i i just i I'm, I'm kind of at a loss now. But that is uh, where we are today. Uh, We will come back tomorrow and Dr. Everett Piper will join us and he will talk about this situation. I will certainly, of course, listen to you. If you've got a message you would like to leave with us on this story or any of the others, use the Authority message line when we're off the air 216 525 1806. And we'll talk to you tomorrow right here on the Authority.